RSL lose at Minnesota while Pablo makes some impactful changes off the bench. You're listening to Here at the Riot, a Real Salt Lake soccer podcast. to here at the riot um this is dax who is talking right now and this is josh and uh yeah not a great week for rsl not i mean not the result i think we had hoped for it's kind of a terrible game you thought it was you thought it was terrible yeah, well, initially I thought it was terrible. <laughs> Cause after, I was... <laughs> yeah, so full disclosure, after um, Minnesota scored their third goal, I was so disgusted that I turned off the game and I was like, I can't take this anymore. Maybe I'll go back and watch the end just for the podcast. <laughs> uh, Rookie mistake. <laughs> and then I checked the score and it was 3-2. Uh, to two. And the game was still going, and I was like, huh, interesting. Huh. <laughs> I wonder if we can somehow manage to get a draw, and then we didn't. Yeah, uh, they almost, the comeback was almost complete. The Not quite. The last 30 minutes, we were a completely different team, but mm-hmm. still, overall, it was a trash game. That was terrible. Trash game. The, the first half was just as bad as the NYCFC half in my opinion yeah they didn't i mean they did not look very um what's the word entered like they didn't have any energy like no like the whole team yeah no one was moving no one was doing anything um i mean possession was still fairly even but like rsl didn't have any like any possession in any meaningful way um so yeah i mean first 60 minutes were kind of a disappointment but then last 30 minutes i mean like you said they're a completely different team yeah so a quick uh quick rundown so minnesota uh they scored first in the ninth minute, and Reynoso just uh, dr- basically dribbled through everyone, and <laughs> everyone was bad, and it was bad. And then yep. Minnesota scored. Uh, and then right around halftime was the Herrera tackle that led to a PK, which me and you were kind of back and forth on that. I mm-hmm. thought that Herrera got a touch. You think that he didn't? So, it, like, when they when they did it, when they called it, I was, like, totally... I was totally appalled that they would call a PK. Like, in, in the run of play, I'm like, there's no, there's no way that Herrera didn't get the ball there. Then on the replay, um, it was close. It was closer than I thought it was. Um, so, although I went back and watched the highlights, and I, I realized that the... Uh, minnesota announcers didn't think it should be a pk yeah they like almost immediately were like that's not a pk and then even after they saw the replays they were still like that's not a PK." yeah which i was watching the minnesota broadcast so that in like that definitely influenced how i felt Mm -hmm. about it the fact that they were like oh we don't think that's a pk and people online minnesota fans were like uh what that's not a pk and i was like everyone agrees here well see um, that's funny because dunny on the rsl broadcast is like absolutely 100 percent of pk and i was like well it was weird because so i it like went diagonal uh-huh. away from both of them so if the minnesota guy had toe poked it it would have gone straight forward yeah i mean that's and that's if, a and if herrera hooked it correctly it would have gone like more to the side or backwards Mm -hmm. i think 
I thought that it like he went for the hook and it hit his heel, Herrera's heel. Yeah. Because the ball ends up going the direction Herrera was sliding. Mm-hmm. But like the angle they had on the replay was terrible. And they only had that and, one angle. Yeah, they kept showing the one angle, and I was like, we can't really see who hit the ball. Could you give us another angle? And then uh, they the ref didn't even look at it, which mm-hmm. I also thought was weird. Like, usually they overcheck these things, and I was like, this is a game changing. <laughs> I mean, decision. It's just it's just a penalty kick, you know, in a, in a in a tight game. But you know, okay, you don't have to check it. Yeah. You don't have to look at it. So he didn't look. Uh, McMath made a fantastic save to his credit, and there's really nothing anyone can do. It, I mean. It was just unlucky for McMath. Um, yeah, it, make, it was makes. A... Yeah, he he makes the save, falls like right back to Reynoso, um, which is interesting because usually they will if if they score off of BK, um, they will credit that they will credit that goal as like a penalty on the score sheet, but this one they didn't because McMath saved it. And now it's just, it's it's like he, it, it wasn't a PK, which is interesting in my yeah. opinion. That is interesting. I hadn't noticed. But yeah, I, I heard uh, some of the, I think it was the Minnesota announcers. They were like, if I'm McMath, I'm really mad at my team for not getting there. And I'm like, yeah. eh. well, even if, you know, they were lined up ready and sprinted right towards Reynoso, right after he took the penalty, they still wouldn't have got there in time because he has, like, an extra yeah five yards on him, you know? I, I think I think the conclusion we're drawing from this is that PKs were meant to... were meant to be a goal. And, and you know, not not the other way around. That, like, when, when you get a PK, like, basically it's the ref saying, here, you have... you you should score this. Everything is in in favor of the attacker there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was the end of the first half. Um, the first half was really terrible. Uh, yeah, not not great. Um, I think the only bright spot was that possession was fairly even. I think RSL had the slight edge at like fifty one percent in the first half. Um, but I, I mean. Care. I mean, nothing to show for it. They're they're down to zero. It we were passing along the back line and losing the ball. Like that was the extent of our possession. <laughs> yeah, no, there was no. There's definitely no possession in any meaningful part of the field. So, yeah. I I think they registered one shot on target, and that was from Pablo Ruiz. From like, outside the eighteen. So they, I mean, it was a good shot. No, it was a really good shot. Like it, it it almost went, I mean, it was on target. First of all, good job, Pablo. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, they, they weren't able to get the ball in any dangerous places, any dangerous spots. So that took us to halftime. Uh, and then at the half, we, Put in Loffelson for Caldwell, which was needed. Um, and so, to so be, to, yeah, go ahead. To be to be honest, I don't know why he didn't start. Like yeah, that's where I was going. Oh, okay, okay. Like I, I, like when I saw the lineup, I'm like, interesting. Caldwell starting, you know, because I, 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 I think Scott Caldwell is a really good player, and I like, and maybe you disagree with this, Josh, but I don't think he played particularly bad. Um, I think that, like, Loffelson needs to be on the field, though. And I would, and in no way would I ever start Caldwell over Loffelson at this point. Yeah, no, that's how I feel. Caldwell's good. He's our number three currently mm-hmm. there. But he doesn't do as much. Like, he's a good player. He wasn't, he wasn't one of the biggest issues. Yeah. If that makes sense. He also wasn't contributing as much as Loffelson would have been. 
and and I, and see i think lawful sin is just kind of he he's a very energetic player um and you could totally see this that once he came on like his energy was um contagious and the 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 rest of the team just started kind of like you know got into their their rhythm like Lawfulson kind of brought that onto the field um so it was really it was really interesting to to see that and see how he was able to do that i think i think Lawfulson is going to be a mainstay at rsl for you know the foreseeable future just because i i can't think of another player who would do that to just kind of come on and change the entire flow of the game yeah yeah i i agree with everything you said there and i also i mean i texted you so you know Mm -hmm. right as the game was starting i texted dax and i was like uh so glad question mark and why is lawful send on the bench Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i mean glad Uh, glad had a hamstring thing so i mean that sucks yeah hopefully it's not serious uh did they give a timetable on the rsl broadcast uh no i mean from what it sound from what they said it sounded like it was slight like not something serious yeah but i have no idea he wasn't on the official injury report interesting and and the by the official report i mean the day of the game rsl soapbox does a little preview and they list who's out and that's the most reliable uh source of injury <laughs> because injury i've been able to find on this sorry team. i'm just i'm just looking uh looking this up right now yeah how long he's but gonna yeah. be out but i think Lawfelson may be potentially he's certainly our most uh impactful midfielder uh-huh and he might he's like top three one of our most important players currently for this team lawful send is yeah i think glad is also absolutely crucial i mean we saw how bad the defense was without him mm-hmm. i think we underrate his ability to not only organize everyone around him but like bring a sense of calm and yeah. like he is really good at cleaning up after uh the other defenders if they ever make a mistake there were uh, the the defense just didn't look good today no yeah uh, I, I agree um yeah. and, and it's interesting um that you said that i think that one thing we should talk about if we're going to talk about defense is aaron herrera um I feel like he's kind of become a little bit of a liability on defense. Um, and you're, you're not the only one that feels that way. <laughs> and I mean, it's because of that that play that led to the PK. Um, I mean, that's the reason they lost in uh, in Vancouver. Um, he had a very similar challenge to that against Columbus, which I think gave him a yellow card and also gave them a set piece in the attacking third, like right outside the 18. Um, And, I mean, honestly, it's very interesting that they didn't give him a red card in in this game. Because if you think about it, like, he was was already on a yellow at, at this point. Um... And he does a challenge like that where, in their eyes, he didn't get the ball. So it is a PK. I, I mean, it's kind of interesting that he, he didn't get a, a another yellow and then a, a red, a, a, you know, a second yellow for that. Um, but I think that as we start playing, you know, better teams, like we, we have a game against LAFC coming up, another game against Seattle um like that's gonna we we can't afford things like that against these teams um so 
I mean, maybe maybe it's time we start thinking about it, you know. And I'm not saying that we should bench Herrera or anything like that. I'm saying maybe it's time we start thinking about, you know, where we play Herrera in a different different light or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go back to Herrera. I'm going to do a quick little overview of the second half. Yeah, yeah. We're going to dive into specific players. Um so then second half starts we we switch Loffelson and Caldwell. Uh I wanted Cordova to come off at halftime. Quite honestly, <laughs> I don't think he should have started. We'll get more into that later. Yeah. <laughs> uh but I think that uh Loffelson coming in at half was a good change uh from Pablo. So mm-hmm. credit to Pablo for that one. Um Minnesota scores like a really well done goal. Uh the chip over McMath, the through ball. Should we have done better? Yes, but it was really well worked. I mean defense just got beat there. Yeah. I mean Yeah, they they did good, Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> um and then we uh actually before that we bring in Julio for Rubin, Chang for Miram. Uh, and Holt for Herrera. And those are the only subs we made. And after that, uh, well, you said it, we were like a completely different team. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's important to note that the formation here switches from a from a 4-4-2 to a 3-4-3. So we were going three in the back, three center backs. Um, and I think, so in this case, Brody... Brody went to the right. He went to the right. He was one of Chang the four. Went, Chang went to left wing back. Brody was right wing back. Then we had the three center backs. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Loffelson, Ruiz in the middle. And the front line was Julio, Cordova, and Saverina. And, I mean, that, like like you said, a completely different team. Um. And so, you know, things like that. Um, and and I, understand, I, de- I definitely understand the appeal of the 4-4-2 um, when we have two forwards that can, you know, get stuff done. And if you go back and listen to episodes of, of the show, I was a very strong advocate for the, for the, for the 4-4-2. Um, then Bobby Wood got injured, and we started playing Ruby Ravine, and I... I think that Cordova hasn't been exactly what we've expected him to be. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Um, but, uh, I mean, kind of makes you think, is it time that we try something new? 3-4-3 um, three, three seemed to work very well for them. Um, and maybe I'm talking about this too soon, but I think that 3-4-3 three, three is a great way to get the best out of Aaron Herrera because he would play one of the four in the midfield um, and wouldn't be, we wouldn't rely on him so heavily defensively. He'd just be, he'd be free to get forward. um, And, you know, we wouldn't have to rely on him to make tackles like the one he made in, in the, the Minnesota game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've always been a big fan of the three four three. I know you've been saying it since the beginning. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the other the the one last thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, the goals. So the first one was a run of play goal. We scored in the run of play. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really nice goal. Uh. Chang didn't get the assist, which was dumb. He should have. He, he's he got the assist in our book. Yeah. And uh, Savarino scores again. And then we score, like, almost immediately after a corner kick. Savarino puts it into Julio. And that was a fantastic header. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm going to get back to that. But um, Julio's got hops. So, anyways. <laughs> uh 
that is the final score. Uh, we continue to attack. We can't break through. Minnesota escapes with the victory. Um, yeah. Um, Eric Holt almost got called game. for a red card. Oh, shoot. He did? Did I you not? miss that. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, um, like, at the very... It was, it was in, like, the 93rd minute or something like that. Um, there was a challenge where, like, Eric Holt kind of came from behind and kind of, like, pushed with his elbow into... I don't, I don't know who it was, but some, a Minnesota player's head. And they... So, they stopped play, which... Literally, the ref just blew the ball dead. Didn't wait for it to come, like go out or anything like that. He just blew it dead. Um, which I'm it like, was like a head injury. They're supposed to do that now. Well, no. So it wasn't. A, he wasn't injured. They he did it so he could review the play. Oh, that is weird. So he just blew it dead. First of all, um, VAR says, "Hey, you should take a look at this." Um, so he goes back, watches it comes back and says, no, I don't think it's a foul, which is, you, you hardly ever see that. VAR saying, hey, this is a foul, and then the ref goes over and says, just kidding, it's not. So that was interesting. Um, but then he restarts um, play and just gives it back to Minnesota. And I was like, okay, RSL didn't have position, possession, but it was a 50-50 ball. Like, and, and this is why you don't blow it dead, you know, just in the middle of, of play because you get things like that. And, I mean, it was yeah. in it was in stoppage time. It was in stoppage time. They were down a goal. Um, you know, am I saying that that's the reason that they lost? No, there are a whole bunch of other reasons that they lost. But it just seems, you know, silly to, to do that, I guess. Do you think it was a red card? Um, it didn't look good. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that that's uh, about all i needed to hear <laughs> um like usually you can like you know when when you when you when you're jumping up to challenge the ball in the air um you're taught to put like get get your arm on top of the other guy so you can you know use them as leverage and keep you know basically jump higher than they can um thought that was a foul dax what <laughs> i was taught that if you do that you'll get called for a foul well you were taught wrong they call that foul all the time just saying okay well but continue agree to disagree <laughs> regardless eric holt was not doing that he <laughs> It, it, it kind of looked like he just like pushed his elbow through through the back of some guy's head. Um, I guess we got away with one there. A little bit. Um, yeah. In the end, I mean, it didn't really affect the outcome of the game. So, I mean, if if he had gotten a red card, he would have 
would have been down a player and, and lost anyway. So I don't think it mattered too much in the end of it. Um, but yeah, just something to watch out for in the future. Because if we do go to a, a 3-4-3, Eric Holt will probably get more playing time. Um, and, you know, maybe he does that in a time where that actually matters. So, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about um, player performances now. Uh, so, some of the positives. Uh, Loffelson, um, I think everyone kind of got to see his value on full display. Uh, how bad the team looks without him <laughs> right <laughs> that's now. A, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so I thought he probably had the best game out of everyone. I thought, um, McMath was pretty good. Uh, he had some big saves and I actually noticed his distribution was really solid this game, which has all, that's always been a weak point for him. And he played a few like long balls to the wings that were spot on. And I was I noticed. Mm-hmm. I was like, good for you, McMath. Maybe he's Good been job, working man. on that. I don't know. Good job. Um, and then I thought Saverino was pretty non-existent at the beginning. Uh, obviously, the goal was great, and he was good at the end. And Julio and Chang both had big impacts off the bench. Mm-hmm. And, it, I mean, it's kind of interesting because... It seems like Savarino can't, like, he, 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 don't get me wrong, he's a very impactful player, but he's not going to just, like, carry the team on his back, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, well, a, it's hard to do that from his position. Exactly. Um, and that's why I think he needs people like Loffelsund in the game, because, I mean, Loffelson was a was a very impactful player, um, and he I mean, the I think that one of the best parts about him was that he put Savarino in in dangerous spots. There was one play that um, it I mean didn't get recorded on the score sheet, and I think that it sh- it definitely should have um, when. Uh, it was lawful sin passed it to Saverino and then Saverino um, sent a through ball to Cordova and Cordova just didn't score the shot. But it was a really good play, and yeah. you could you could see that you know Lawfulson being in there and kind of taking some of the pressure off of Saverino. Um, really, they were really able to get the ball in a dangerous um, spot, and I actually think that was the corner that. Julio scored off of. Yeah. The um, keeper, the uh, what's his name? Saint Saint Clair. Saint Clair, yeah. He he saved that. Um, but I I do agree with you. I personally think that it is a mistake to leave Chang on the bench. I I I think I think at this point he needs to be starting. Because, I mean, he leads the team in assists. Um, and we could definitely see that in this game, he had a huge impact coming off the bench. And I don't think... I I just don't see... I also don't see what Justin Miram has, has brought to the table in recent games. Um, so if yeah. Chang is comfortable playing on the left, I say put him in. We let's have Justin Miram come off the bench because that's how he was impactful last season. Justin Miram did not start hardly at all. He came off the bench and made, you know, impactful plays. Um, but I mean, you know, that's that's just my opinion. Um, I don't get paid the big bucks, but you know. Yeah, I'm all for Chang starting. Especially because if we play the 3-4-3, Chang can play in the front three or as one of the wingbacks. Yep. 
Uh-huh. Very versatile. More versatility. <laughs> yeah. He's a really good defender, plus he's got that passing ability. Um, yeah, Julio. Man. Of all our forwards, um, I think he is not only the most goal dangerous, he's also the best in the air. He's the fastest. <laughs> And he's the like, shortest. Yeah. Um, if if we're going to keep doing this play style where we just want to cross the ball all the time, get Cordova out of there. And mm -hmm. there are other reasons. Um, but my point is, I know a few weeks ago I was like, no, 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 don't start Julio. We need to be bringing him off the bench because he's more effective that way. He is still more effective that way. That being said, our other strikers have been so bad <laughs> that we yeah. have to start Julio. Like, oh my goodness. If against Colorado, we start either Rubin or Cordova, my eyes will roll all the way back into my head because <laughs> neither of them should be starting right now. Uh, yeah, so I'm hoping that Julio gets the nod against Colorado. Like, a front three of Chang, Julio, Saverino, or you could throw in Miram instead of Chang if you really want. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that that, that is what be, I would like to see. That would be very dangerous, the front three that you just described. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning... Um, Diego Luna has been absolutely tearing it up for the US, USMNT under-20s. Um, where do you think he fits into all of this? Do you think, like, do, does he warrant a formation change, maybe to a, a 4 2 three, one? Or is he just going to be the backup for Ruiz or Loffelson? I'm not sure. I will say this. I don't think any player out there, any player on this team, will have enough pull to force a formation change other than Saverino and Crylock. I, I don't think... That's a good way to say it, yeah. I think Pablo would change formations to cater to those two players, and I don't think anyone else has enough... <laughs> Well, I mean, it makes sense because they're designated players, but, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think we'll switch formations just for him. Um, and so if we keep doing a 4-4-2 or a 3-4-3, I'm not really sure where he fits in. I'm not sure if he'd be better on the front line or if he'd be better in the midfield. I don't think he's much of a defender. Yeah, so I, I might, think you're right on that. We might have to somehow fit him into the front three but maybe he is the answer we'll see i think he could i mean he could potentially play one of the uh the wings in a in a four four uh sorry three four three um okay. and you know maybe that's where he goes um yeah it's it's interesting because i mean the the four two three one's been really popular as of late um, Minnesota, that's what they played, the four two three one, um, And with that, you, you have the ability to play like a true 10, basically, um, and still maintain defensive, like defensive control of the midfield because you have two central defensive midfielders. Um, yeah. But playing with four in the midfield instead of five, basically, um that is not is not good for the true 10 in my opinion unless you have a really solid six which love pablo ruiz he ain't it pablo ruiz ain't a solid six um but yeah so we'll we'll see what actually happens with diego luna um but i mean it's really it it's really excited this exciting to see him play the way that he has been playing for the USMNT under-20s. Um, like, 
he's just kind of come in. I mean, he's probably played with him before, but this is like my first introduction to him because I don't really follow him before he came to RSL, and he's been doing really well for them. So, I mean, yeah, bodes well for RSL at least while he stays. Yeah, we're we're hoping he can have an immediate impact. Mm-hmm. Um. So a few people uh, that I wanted to mention. Kappelhoff, this was his first minutes in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked rusty. He looked better as the game went on. Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure how I felt about his performance. He, he definitely left some people open on corners, set pieces, yeah. crosses. Um, and he had some sketchy passes, but he also had good moments. Uh, Herrera, we kind of talked about him. Yeah. He he was sketchy, and he seemed to be just losing his cool, getting frustrated Yeah, really easily, which is weird because I don't feel like we've seen that from him really ever. Not really. And I'm not sure what's changed this season compared to the last few. Maybe he just knows that he's playing way worse than he is capable of and it's starting to get to him but i mean it's it's been hard for him he's coming back from injury um so hopefully all he needs is time um but yeah it is i've I've definitely noticed that as well yeah brody uh didn't have a good game um unfortunately and then the two worst <laughs> performers in my opinion Pablo Ruiz and Cordova hey. <laughs> and I I hate to get so negative but I, I won't get super negative with Ruiz it just wasn't his night Yeah, he, hit, he was hitting passes out of bounds he was hitting shots over the crossbar he had that one shot on frame and outside of that I don't think he really did much positive mm-hmm game um but cordova is the one that i'm really frustrated with right now (laughs) yeah so i kind of want your opinion on his performance yeah in this one because i mean he did end up having the pass the outlet pass to chang it was a really good ball it it was um but yeah, overall, Minnesota game, what did you think of Cordova's performance? So I'm going to talk like generally about him, and then I guess kind of apply it to like specific moments in the Minnesota game. I just, I just feel like that's better. Um, so I think that Sergio Cordova is a good player. Um, is he a number nine? I'm going to say no. But by no means is he a number nine. And I think I I think we kind of thought that he was going to fulfill that role. I thought I think we thought he was going to be a number nine. Um, I think plays, that's what he was playing for Augsburg, right? Something like that. I I think he plays more like a ten. Which yeah, I would agree. Which, I mean, he's number 10, so give him that. Um, But, like, I feel like if he learned how to be, like, not not get rid of his, like, you know, 10 tendencies, but just, like, add some 9 tendencies on. You know, for example, trying to head the ball when... When it when it when it comes in, you know, the dude is so tall. He's probably one of the tallest on the team. Yeah, and he's big and huge and strong. Like he has all of the makings of a good number nine. But he just wants to be a ten. He wants so badly to be a ten. Um, and I'm like, that's that's great. But. Just kind of just, like yeah, just aggregate some some things that a nine would do, and he'd be really good. I also think that um, 
like a lot of other people on the team, he needs someone, like, as the team does better, Cordova does better. I think we saw that with um, with the first goal that they, that they scored. Um, as soon as the game started opening up, Cordova was able to exploit um, some, you know, some, some, some weak points in there. Also on the play that we talked about earlier with the Kapelhoff to Saverino to, to Cordova, like, there, there were some, you know, as the team did better, Cordova did better, which, I mean, I guess is true about any player. But um, the dude just needs to learn how to finish, and not just in the air, just, like, finish in general. Like, just put the ball on frame and yeah. put, it in, put it in the back of the net. I mean, I don't know what else I can say. Yeah, no, I I agree with all of that. I think, so he had one really great chance in the first half, and then he had that one really great chance in the second half um, and wasn't able to finish either of them. Um, and what you said about him wanting to be a 10, I think that is, that feels accurate to me because what I was frustrated with more than anything else in this game especially and i've been starting to pick up on it in the last few as well mm-hmm. is his movement off the ball is just i don't even know what to say about it yeah. um when Savarino works his butt off to get to the end line to catch a stray ball and get a cross into the box and cordova's just standing there like, what are we doing? Yeah, you know, there and this happened after I started noticing it. Then I was watching for it all the time. I can't tell you how many times. Yeah, we were sending crosses in, and Rubin's in there, and you know he he didn't play well either. But at least he was working hard and yeah. <laughs> and you know, uh, making the runs. Cordova just. And I don't think it's laziness because he works hard on the defensive end, like pressing, and he works hard in other ways. He just doesn't move well off the ball. He doesn't move like a nine off the ball. He kind of just like, he would prefer to stay in space and receive the ball and then do something with it. He doesn't, you know, make the runs behind um, and do all that. And, And I mean, not that that never happens, his two chances for goals were both um, good runs, but more yeah. often than not, I caught him just walking or standing while we were trying to attack in the final third, and I, I just, it was so unacceptable that I was like, if I see that as a coach, I'm yanking that player immediately, yeah. mm-hmm. because, you know, everyone else was working hard around him, and he's. 15 yards behind the ball walking and that's our that's our striker you know um yeah that got me pretty worked up during the game and i was like he needs to be out of there now yeah (laughs) um so yeah i i think it's just a mentality thing with him like you said he just doesn't uh, he doesn't want to play that way and Maybe we're playing him out of position. Maybe that's the issue. Mm-hmm. Maybe we and, should be trying to play him as a ten. I mean, and if and here's the thing: if we try to play Cordova as a ten, I don't think he's the guy. I think we've, I mean, I think we've got plenty of other options at the ten before we, you know, start playing Cordova at the ten. Um, and I guess with that. Um, like his tendency like his his tendency is to like he like i said he, i think he's a good player um he's just he just needs to kind of fulfill the role that the team needs at the moment um which is i mean especially with Bobby Wood cuz i think Bobby Wood was our only true 9 um i would i would almost classify Rubin as more of a false 9 um but I mean, again, that's just me. Um, so I think Cordova kind of needs to step up in that way, or maybe the answer is Anderson Julio, 
because I mean as we as we've seen he's got hops I mean he beat everyone to the ball on, on the second goal and he always manages to you know score goals and in, in, in pop up in dangerous places so maybe the answer is Anderson Julio to kind of take some of that pressure off of Cordova I don't know but um, I don't think I don't think the the strikers have fulfilled that role in recent games yeah and and I want to go back and say it's not all negative with Cordova I I think we've seen improvement in some areas mm-hmm. um, his first few games we were like this dude never shoots like he gets the ball yeah. in a dangerous spot and he doesn't shoot it and you know what he has improved in that area He's taking more shots. I think the first shot of the game was his, and it was actually one that I didn't expect. And I was like, my initial reaction, my knee-jerk reaction was, that was a bad shot. And then I was like, no, you know what? It's Cordova. This is good. We want him to want to score. Yep. That's what we need to, to see from him. He should want to shoot. Yeah, and, and he's been, you know, getting in dangerous spots and shooting. He's still lacking that final product mm-hmm. We're not giving up on him yet, but I also don't think we need to just keep losing because yeah. we're so intent on starting him and letting him play 90 minutes every match, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep, that, that makes um, sense. I'm with you. Give Julio the nod. He's great in the air. He's had... I mean, this wasn't his first um, header goal for RSL, Mm-mm. and he's dangerous, so... What the heck? I say we run with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm down with it. I mean, and, you know, we. I don't think that we have to play, um, like, we have to, uh, we can play the 4-4-2 and play both Cordova and Julio. Do I think that's the best thing to do right now? No, I think the best thing we can do is the 3-4-3. Um, but, I mean... We that 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 is an option. We don't need to go one striker and totally scrap, you know, both Rubin and Cordova. Um, but I mean, I think I think it is time to change something. Change something up, up there, mix yeah. it up a little bit. Yeah, I kind of feel for Rubin because this felt like his chance. His chance. And he's kind of blowing it. Um. Yeah, so, I I yeah. just think that Rubin <laughs> is not the right fit for RSL at this point. Um, cause like I said, I I feel like he's a false nine, and we don't need a false nine right now. Yeah, we need we need a ten, and not a ten. Sorry, we need a nine. Don't 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 listen to that Cordova and be more of a ten. He should be more of a nine. Yeah, so this is a great transition to our next talking point. The summer transfer window. Oh, yes. It opens July 7th. Uh, so we're recording this on the 5th. It's two days for us. It'll be less than oh, this release. Um, it's open till August 4th. So a short window. Roughly a month. Um, we know ownership has been talking about they want to make some big moves. Stavarino already happened. I think the current feeling around the club and community is we are all anticipating at least one big move mm-hmm. in this summer transfer window. So the question is, what position do we want to go get? Well, so, I mean, ba- based on what we've talked about so far, I think everyone's thinking that we should sign a, a number nine. Um, but I is think that what there's. You think? <laughs> that I mean, would it be nice? Yeah, I think it'd be nice. Um, let's see. What 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 do I think? Um, see, I know there's also been talk about signing. A number six which I, I totally understand why um but i mean i think we are thin there we are thin we are thin 
But also, I'm like, who do you take off? Because I think Kapelhoff has made it very difficult to to say that you take him off and leave Pablo Ruiz. You mean Lafelson? Yeah, dude. What? <laughs> Kapelhoff. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Sorry, I was. I'm I'm looking at the lineup right now, and I see Kapelhoff's name, and I I always get them confused. Yeah, they have similar. So. Their names. Yeah. Too. And maybe the answer is we change a for we change formation, four two three one. Everyone's happy. Um, but I mean, see, I don't. I know. I know you don't like this, Josh, but I think we should get a wing or a wing back. That's yeah. My, I de- that's I very much answer. disagree with you, but okay. So, so tell me why then? <laughs> because. So we're incredibly thin at wing back. We are incredibly thin at wing back. Yes. Um now Agreed. I mean, So my counter we... to that is Cablon. That's my counter to your counter. <laughs> I I know that he has like he hasn't made an immediate impact. Mm-hmm. But we just barely went out and got a player. For that purpose. I don't think they're going to want to go out and get another player. So I think he's like... Not not maybe long term, but I don't think that we've decided to move on from him yet. That's still no, a possibility. I agree, but that's one sub for essentially two positions. So yeah. you've got... I mean... Because, I mean, we, we saw that Brody can play on the right or the left. I, I assume Herrera can also do the same. Um, but, I mean, what happens if they both get injured? I mean, if both Silva and Glad get injured, we at least have two more center backs. If both Pablo and uh, Jasper get injured, we have two more center mids. Um Wingback is kind of this interesting position where we don't we only have one sub. And one and a half. I guess we can count Michael Chang. Um but I, I think we'd be wasting him back there. Um So I I think we're incredibly thin there and we could potentially get someone. Uh, would you be okay with getting like a cuz we have two we have one designated player spot open. And also, I think, three U-22 initiative spots. What if we got, like, a like a, like an 18-year-old? An 18-year-old I mean, yeah. back. I'm, I'm honestly, like, I'm fine with that. If we go out and get a wing back, you're right. We're thin there. I don't think that it will... I don't think it will help us... Uh, drastically for the rest of this season. Oh, oh yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. But ultimately, like if the price is right and if it's the player we want, and everything just lines up, then yeah, go for it. I won't be disappointed if we go grab a wingback. And so they're young. If they're old, heck, if we spend a DP slot on a wingback, if it's worth it, sure. I'd be and, okay with. That. See, well. I guess my my opinion is short of getting a DP nine, if we get a DP nine, like, I guess I guess the the question is if what should we go for? My answer is a DP nine. So short of getting a DP nine, I don't think that any like any acquisition that we make is going to affect the team drastically. I personally think that we have all of the the players necessary to to you know to be good and that it's just it's just a matter of of tinkering and and figuring out what like you know who works well with who and and figuring all that stuff out yeah yeah i'm this is how i'm approaching it i think i also think that a deep hmm so the only spot in our starting 11 that is really in question right now is a striker. Mm-hmm. So I think that 
that would be top priority for me as well. Um, and then after that, I agree with you that the rest of our starting 11, I'm comfortable with. Um, but then one injury in the midfield, that's a huge drop off. One injury yeah. at one at wingback, that's a huge drop off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, that would be the order I would put it is striker top priority and then a a midfielder like a defensive mid or a wing back as as kind of tied for second because yes like i'm with you that lawfelson ruiz has been a good pairing but if we lose one of them to yellow card accumulation we just saw how that played out yeah (laughs) Mm-hmm. Ruiz and Caldwell as a pairing, um, I mean, yeah, it it's not good. So well, I mean, I mean, we didn't lose Jasper to yellow card accumulation. We just Pablo just decided to start him, start Caldwell over him, which is which. I mean, yeah, with we saw how that turned out. But yeah, I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, I think we have enough wings. Okay. You you are entitled to your opinion. Could we still upgrade there? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we have so many wings, um, and a lot of them that I feel like maybe haven't been given the right environment to thrive. Oh uh, yeah, I mean we got Menendez. Oh, are you counting Tate Schmidt? I wasn't. If you throw him in, we have even more wings. We we've got so many wings. I think uh, once we start shipping players off, they're gonna be wings. <laughs> or what do you potentially mean, ship, shipping them off, like getting rid of them. Yeah, like at oh. some point, as we keep getting players and not selling any, our roster just keeps growing somehow inexplicably, yeah. and we never. It's like. Are we over the roster limit? Shh, don't tell anyone. Like, <laughs> we're up to thirty-two players on the roster. Like, uh, uh, I don't know what's going on with that, but at some point, we're gonna have to start like selling players or letting players yeah. go. I think we're gonna see either wings being let go, or some of our defensive midfielders that are not contributing like, a whole lot. Like Nick Beasler, Everton Louise. Yeah. As much as I love those guys. Yeah, makes um, sense. Yeah, anyways. It, it'll be interesting to see. I'm hoping for some big news, exciting news. Yeah, I, I think, I don't think we've heard of any, like, transfer rumors so far. No. So, so, the last we heard was... Our rumors died down like months ago at this point, and we haven't heard any updates. Uh, and as this transfer window has been nearing, um, what I've been hearing is that center defensive mid is still in the mix, and now striker might be a position of priority. So it kind of feels like those are both areas where they're looking for a new face. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, it it uh, seems like they're keeping their options open, where they're like, "Sure, we're looking for both positions. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna limit ourselves to just one," which I think is right. I, I what I don't want us to do is say we need a striker now and go out and get someone that we're not like a hundred percent. This is our guy, because you like I don't want us to get a striker just for the sake of getting a new striker. We could we could sign Cristiano Ronaldo. Sure, yeah, he would really fit in in Salt Lake. <laughs> oh boy. Um, but yeah, that's going on. Um, anything you want to add before we preview next week's game? Uh, no, I think I think you covered it all beautifully. Why, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> only only the one um, 
hiccup in the middle technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Saturday, we play Colorado. It's part of Rivalry Week. Have yourself a Ooh. manufactured rivalry. Yeah, and I mean, we love we love the Rocky Mountain Cup. Am I right? Tell us how you feel, Dex. I know you got strong feelings about this. Well, I mean, it's just one of those rivalry like except except for like last season, RSL has always won. So I mean, we're the kings of the Rocky Mountains. You know? Yeah. Like, RSL has, like, historically been better than Colorado, so it's never really been much of a rivalry. Yeah. Yeah, and this season, we are better. You would expect us to win. I am not so confident. Really? Um, No, I'm not. So, I... Here's my prediction. Okay. We come out in the 4-4-2. Oof. Uh, Pablo picks the right midfield this time. Okay. But he still starts Cordova and Rubin. And I'm frustrated before the game even starts. And then it ends in a 0-0 draw. That is my prediction. That would be that would be so dumb. I really hope Pablo doesn't do that. Me too. But I, here's so here's my thing is, if Glad is still not one hundred percent, there's no way we're starting with three center backs. Yeah, I don't think Pablo's comfortable with that, and I get that. I think it would be simple enough for us to transition to a four back if one of our center backs happened to go down. No, yeah, I agree. I agree. But. That like Pablo isn't gonna do that. I just don't think so. Hopefully, I'm yeah. eating my words next week. But that'd be so great if they rolled out in a, in a three four three. Like everything we just said, Pablo's like listening to this podcast, taking notes. Like, oh yeah, that's. I good. have my preferred lineup written down right here. <laughs> I was thinking about this all day. We'll send yeah, what do you email. think? Um, I think RSL wins. I think it's going to be one zero two zero. Um, two as, zero, feeling dangerous. <laughs> I th- dude, RSL. I mean, so it's a rivalry. I'm putting that in air quotes for those of you who can't see rivalry. Um, and RSL has you know been good at home, so I'm relying on that fact to get them through this game. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're gonna win. Uh, as far as formation, I really have no idea. Um, I could I could totally see us doing the four four two again, um, but that's not what I hope. I hope we like we could we could do a four two three one or a four uh, three four three. Like either of those, I'm okay with. Um, yeah, for me, it's just something has to change, right? Yeah. Because it's not like we're going out and looking dangerous and it's just not coming together. We're, we keep rolling out the same formation, playing the same way, and looking absolutely terrible. And at some yeah. point, we've got to change something. And I don't think I... like a personnel switch here and there is going to make that big of a difference. We looked really bad for most of the Minnesota game. <laughs> I, I honestly think that the two strikers is not the way to go right now. I don't think we have another striker because with I with with Bobby Wood and Cordova, I thought it was decent. Um, but without Bobby Wood, I think we're missing the true number nine. So I don't I don't think it's the way to go. Yeah, ever one striker. Now that Bobby Wood's gone, let's roll out one striker and mm-hmm. be done with it. I'm okay with that. Yeah. All right. Well, yep, that that is it for this week then. That'll uh, do it. Saturday's Colorado game. Go if you can. If you can't, watch. Wear a jersey. It's good luck. And uh, hopefully we I get guess, the win. Yeah. <laughs> I hope we get the win as well. Um, hopefully 
that means RSL will go up in the standings. Um, yeah, the, the standings. Oh, I'll just go over those really quickly. Um, so, I mean, RSL's in third place right now. Um, with uh, Austin and LAFC ahead of them. Uh, Austin is at 34 points. LAFC is at 36 points. RSL at 29 points. So there's a two-game difference between RSL and Austin, a three-game difference between RSL and LAFC, um, with a whole bunch of teams very close behind. So we've got the Galaxy, Dallas, Nashville all tied at 27, and then the Seattle Sounders at 26. So the basically, bar- go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. I was gonna the, say- uh, Go yeah you 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 go you go. <laughs> oh man! If we lose on Saturday, we could be out of playoff, like below the playoff line. Mm-hmm. Because like Seattle that. and the Galaxy both have a game in hand, so they are a game behind everyone else. Very easily, you know. And you know, RSL just needs to win games that they can win. That's really what it comes down to. And if they do that, then they will they will make it to the playoffs. If not, then they will probably not make it to the playoffs. Because it's hard to get into the playoffs. <laughs> Don't let anyone tell you different. And Wise if, word. If LAFC says, oh, it's not that hard, just remind them that they did not make it to the playoffs last season. Neither there did Austin go. for that. Neither did... None of these teams made it to the playoffs except for Nashville and Seattle. So, it's hard. Yeah. But all right. I I think that's all we've got today. Is that all is that all we've got today, Josh? Yeah. Yep, uh thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Yep, see you next week.